previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. Marco, what you've read about psionics, it is magic that stems from the power of the mind. Ravnus, your head feels fuzzy. Arella just falls unconscious. Arella. Ravnus is just gonna throw Arella over her shoulder. You see that there is a warforged, and you actually see that there is like a metal series of bolts sticking out of its head in a row that are painted pink and almost like a mohawk. It's a pleasure to meet ya. My name is Skirmish Unit Scratch. As you walk in, you see that there is another one of the fucking huge forged. This is Siege Unit Dent. I am Primary Command Unit Harker. This is Envoy Unit Lancer. Scriv, it is a surprise to see you again. Scriv, how do you know Lancer? Lancer and I were the closest thing we forge have to siblings. Huh. Huh. We're bringing the creator ship to Crot Space. We're, we're placing the beacons. One by one, these flesh creatures begin piling over the barricade. Prepare for a fight! Pick up where we left off last time, and everybody roll for initiative. Christ, I forgot where we were. <laughs> You're gonna remember real fast. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Oh, that <laughs> wasn't very good. Fifteen for me. Five. Oh boy. I also got a five. I'll defer to Ravness, <laughs> the the stronger of the two. This is a dumb question, but what are we fighting again? <laughs> I don't remember. You are fighting the waves of fleshy dragon monsters. It's the same thing that attacked you guys twice before, but they were just individual that died super easy. And now there are waves of them attacking where you and the Warforged are holed up. Mm, Okay. So they go first, actually. Nice. They as in the Warforged, as they as in the things that are trying to kill us. They as in the things that are trying to kill you. Unsurprising. That's not cool. I don't like that. (laughs) <laughs> what if we changed that? Hmm. How does $20 sound to you, Nick? <laughs> hmm. Mm. Well. Man. <laughs> Saker's a heavy spender. I was going to go with like $1.56. Oh, I mean, so I I'm, I'm we... looking at my Venmo here. And... <laughs> I thought we could all pitch in for this. I don't know. <laughs> How about you just keep adding to it? <laughs> until, until the combat just improves. <laughs> uh, no. You can't have it that easy. (laughs) That won't be entertaining to listen to. And think of all of our fans. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, you guys are standing in this room that the forged companions that you just met were holed up in, having barricaded the door with various wood debris. And um, the door that once hung on these hinges itself now turns sideways. And as cracks in the barricade form and cracks in the stone masonry of the walls and ceiling form, these creatures begin squeezing into the room. 
and three of them squeeze in first and land in the room. These undulating blobs of dragon flesh, wet, exposed, torn muscle and sinew on the one side with dragon scale on the other, and shattered bone shards and claws and teeth sticking out in odd directions. The whole thing, like, easily the size of a large dog, a mastiff or a German shepherd. And as they squeeze through the cracks and land and form, they lunge at whoever is nearest to them. So the first one is going to attack Val and is going to hit, scraping her. The second one is going to attack command unit Herker and miss. The third one is going to attack Ravness. That's going to be a 23 to hit. Nope. Yeah, no, that hits. <laughs> Hmm. I was going to say, I'm like, um, look again. Uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, you take five slashing damage. Ouch. And the fourth one is going to not approach, but kind of like orient itself at Marco. But instead of attacking, it kind of like convulses. And Marco, you hear a similar scream in your head that you've experienced before when these things have been slain. And I need you to make an intelligence saving throw. All right. Not 20, 24. Holy fuck. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. You're already super smart, but then you're just rolling bomb, too. Like, <laughs> holy fuck. Uh, yeah, uh, you you feel this piercing, like, signal get sent through the synapses of your brain. And, like, you instinctively seize up slightly, like, all of your muscles. Like, your body's going to lock up for a moment. But you steal your mind and push out this force and shake the effect. It is now Luckbeak's turn. Um, so there are three in here. Uh, I guess I'm there just going to... There are four in there. There are four. I'm going to uh, fire an arrow at one and see what happens. Sure thing. They're pretty squishy. Actually, you know what? Can I instead uh, kind of like survey the room... Um, and do a little investigation and see if there's another way out, like a small, you know, ventilation, something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, this would be your action instead of yes, attacking. absolutely. Go ahead and make an investigation check. Got you. That is a 13. You see that the, the cracks that these things have been pushing themselves through because, mm -hmm. like, the walls and ceiling are crumbling. However, they, they look far too small for even you to fit through. Um, it seems like these things are able to, you know, morph their bodies to squeeze through spaces smaller than they are. I see. So it doesn't look like you could get out those ways. Um, beyond the barricaded door you're looking at, there's the door that you came through. So it's like you're in this room. And then through the office next to you, and then the armory is the way out. But you know that the Warforge had dropped the sword racks to barricade that door in on that side. And you do not see any other entrances or exits um, that you're aware of in the vicinity. All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, move uh, behind some pile of something and then use an action to hide because I'm scared. <laughs> I have a bonus action with cunning action to hide. Yeah, Absolutely. Go ahead and roll your stealth check. Yeah. You can dive under the remains of the officer's desk. Yeah. That's kind of been pushed off to the side in there. 11. All right. It is the Warforged turn. You see Command Unit Harker with his shield in one hand and his sword in the other is going to swing at the creature that attacked him. 
and he is going to hit. And as soon as he brings down his sword, the thing just explodes. And I need him, Ravnus, and Marco to make intelligence saving throws. Son of a biscuit. Six. Um, I got a ten. Six is what I rolled. Okay. You guys both take four psychic damage. Oof. As you hear the scream that gets let out from this creature that dies right next to you. And then you feel like a memory coming on like the ones that have before. Your vision fades and you see a dimly lit chamber, vaulted ceilings. The ceiling is natural, a natural cavern that twists up with jagged stalactites and stalagmites all around. You can see to your right a large entrance that opens into the astral sea, the swirling colors and infinite stars. You look up, even from your lofty vantage point, up into the eyes of an even larger red dragon, and you hear your voice rumble from your chest. How am I supposed to grow in size and power and amass a horde if I never age in this cursed place? And the dragon that you're speaking to, the much older dragon, a female voice emanates, saying, You will serve your time and take your reward to start your horde then. This is the will of Tiamat. And the vision snaps back in this chamber with the Warforged. Skirmish unit Scratch is going to attack the one that attacked you, Marco. She's going to miss. Uh, Siege unit Dent is going to attack the one that attacked Ravnus. And he is going to miss. (laughs) (laughs) Neat. Uh, Envoy unit Lancer is going to back up against like the far corner, kind of where Scriv is at, and with her bow is going to release an arrow at the one that attacked Val and miss. Wow. (laughs) Okay, well, that's their turn. It is now Val's turn. Val will attack the one that attacked her. She will, in fact, hit it, and it dies. (laughs) <laughs> and I need Val and Ravnus needs to make intelligence saves. Natural 20. Okay, you're fine. Uh, you hear this piercing scream again, but you don't take any damage. Um, how's everybody looking health-wise? Uh, Ravnus looks like a 3 out of 34. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. Marco's looking fine. Are we supposed to be getting hit? Is that part of this game, I mean? Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm Luckbeak, beacon. I never get hit. (laughs) Because I never fight. (laughs) (laughs) Hand in hand, my friend. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Scriv is going to look at you, Ravnus, and say... The moons ponder arcane foes. This crystal sphere scrolls. Nine levels of hell. Whatever that means. (laughs) and uh you are going to heal six hit points as he casts healing word okay okay it is ravnus and marco's turn did you want ravnus to go first or second i'll defer to ravnus in this case because she's the stronger of the two (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, what Ravness is going to do? So the one beside her did not is not the one who died, right? No, the one that died was the one that was next to Val, and the one that was next to Harker. Okay, then she is going to take her long sword and swing at the one next to her. Okay. Um, that is not very good. That's a twelve. Uh, that's still gonna hit. Oh. That's good to know. That is six damage. Okay. Uh, it splats, and you need to make another intelligence save. Okay. That's a three. Uh, you take three psychic damage, and uh, Harker and Val need to make that too. Yeah, so you hear another screech in your mind as it dies. Okay, so you killed uh, three of the four that crawled into the room, but another wave is approaching. Hold on, don't I uh, still get a turn here? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Marco. Go ahead. That's okay. So for the other ones on their way in, do they look particularly bunched up? There seems to be a lot of them on the other side of the barricade. That seems to be where most of them are attacking from, but there are some that seem to be crawling their way through the cracks that are forming in the stone masonry and the ceiling and walls. Is there anything, is there any of them that seem clustered? Yeah, they're all swarming over each other on the other side of the barricade. So I'm going to cast Ife Knife, Ice Knife, (laughs) and chuck it, it, Ife Knife, I'm going to chuck, I'm going to cast Ice Knife and aim for like the center um, that way, whenever it explodes, it hits as many of them as possible. Yeah, absolutely. That's an attack roll you make first? At first, I make an attack roll. Um, okay. On a hit, it's 1d10 piercing damage. And then regardless, it shatters. And okay. every creature within five feet must make a dexterity saving throw or take okay. 2d6 cold damage. So I am going to say they have half cover because they're on the other side of the barricade. So you're basically going to have to try and throw the ice knife through a hole in the barricade. And then if you miss, it's going to hit the barricade and explode on the people inside the barricade on us on you yeah it's like val ravness and command unit harker are all standing Mm. now it's it's possible like there is a decently large hole but they get a bonus to their ac on the attack roll yeah i figured hmm all right well i got another option you know what all right let's roll the dice let's see what happens hmm um how does a 10 sound (laughs) hmm Oh, no. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. So, yeah. So you see the barricade, the wood slats of the upper half of this barricade are splintering and widening. And you see these things beginning to try and crawl through. And there's a, a decently large opening. And you see an opening. So you just launch the ice knife through. But your aim is slightly too wide and hits the inside of the barricade instead of going through it. Um, It doesn't deal any initial damage, but go ahead and roll damage for the burst. Uh, It's a saving throw. It is a dexterity saving throw for everybody within uh, range of a five Uh, foot range of where it hit. That's going to be Harker, Val, and Ravness. So Ravness, I need you to make a dex save. 13. Mm. The save is 14. Oh, no. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I will roll damage then. Val succeeded, but Harker failed. All right, so Harker and Ravnus are going to take nine damage. Okay, Ravnus is unconscious. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's all right. Luckbeak and Marco will carry this fight. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the trend, right? Yeah. Let's just not talk about who <laughs> took Ravnus out. It was definitely those things. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> Ravnus fell victim to Marco's recent murder spree. <laughs> Honestly, though, that would be a hell of a character arc for Marco. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I have a taste for blood, Luckbeak, you're next. Oh, God. <laughs> This is now a uh, survival horror. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. Um, okay, cool. So you did take out a good number of these creatures as well, like on the other side of the barricade, because they were in the radius of the strike as well. So you see, as this ice shard hits the barricade and explodes, Ravnus, like ice crystals kind of form on the side of her face as she collapses. Uh, Rally kind of raises his shield and blocks it. And Val, you know, leaps backward as well. But you see the ice, like, fractal upward across the barricade. And you see a bunch of creatures on the other side of the barricade. And recoil away. It seemed like it killed probably at least six or seven of them. They don't seem like individually they're very strong. But their corpses immediately get pushed aside as you hear the mental screaming again coming from the other side of the barricade. As all of the ones behind them fill the space and push up to the barricade. Oh, and actually the last remaining one inside the barricade would have been in that range too. So that one died as well. So all of the ones inside the barricade have been killed, but more begin pushing their way through the cracks. Oh no. (laughs) I rolled max. Ooh. Nine creatures push their way into the chamber, skittering over each other and into the room. Actually, point of order, I need Marco and Luckbeak to both make me just straight, I'm going to say uh, intelligence checks. Okay. Okay. Uh, 15 for me. Six. Okay. okay. Yeah, Luckbeak, you're you're hiding. You don't have line of sight on what's going on right. right now anyway. You're hunkered down behind the desk in like the room adjacent to the doorway they're pushing through. Makes sense. So... You don't really notice, um, but Marco, as you do your attack and you see these creatures get blown away by the frost and you see Ravnus fall unconscious and collapse, something innately registers kind of in your mind. Like you feel like there's some sort of connection there and you can't quite make it out, but you can almost like feel a connection between you and Ravnus somehow. Hmm. Like, almost like you can feel her life force Oh, kind of, like, flicker and wane um, as she falls unconscious. And it's weird, because it's like, you see it happen, and then you feel it happen in that moment, like there's this weird mental connection. Oh, okay. It's, it's weird. You never felt anything like it. Is this what love feels like? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's taken. His name is Coot. <laughs> yeah. Don't even think of horning in on Coot's territory. <laughs> There's room for one more. Mm. <laughs> the Ravnus ships are getting really wild. <laughs> Ravnus X everybody. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. So these nine more creatures push into the room. One is going to attack Rally, Miss. One is going to attack Val, and Miss. One is going to skittle forward and attack Marco. I think 13 misses. A 13 is going to hit because I do not what? have mage armor. Didn't you cast mage armor last time, though? I did. I did. How, uh, hold on. How long does the mage armor last? It lasts eight hours. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm 14. Yep. 
I'm good for days. <laughs> <laughs> so that one misses. Uh, this thing <laughs> lunges at you and just gets ricocheted off of the invisible barrier that is a couple inches in front of you. One is going to attack Scratch, and that is going to hit. And it kind of like jumps on her, and she's just like, oh, no. Oh, no, it's on me. <laughs> I forgot about Scratch. <laughs> How could you forget about Scratch? <laughs> One is going to attack Dent and miss. Uh, it kind of like lunges at him and he doesn't even move. He's just standing there again, monolithic like, and it just like whacks into his big chest plate and like tries to dig its little claws into him, but gains no purchase and kind of slides right off of him hissing and screeching all the while fucking i'm sorry I, i'm sure you said this before scratch and dent are brother and sister aren't they they did not specify oh okay all right it was scriv and lancer that okay we're we're siblings well their names are scratch and dent so they're thematic so i know they're brother and sister they you are they are thematically <laughs> a pair yeah <laughs> anyway it is now luckbeak's turn um i'm going to kind of pop my head out from my cover, ruining it, and then say something like, um, hey, uh, you all know that there's an infinite number of those, right? Um, we can't fight. What's plan B? Anybody got a plan B? Lancer, who's standing there, knocking another arrow. She's like standing there in the doorway, kind of next to Scriv, kind of still keeping eyes on the barricade where they're all pushing through, lining up her next shot. I do have a plan B, but it is the last one I have. I was trying to save it. She gestures to her quiver, and there is an arrow that is just bright white fletching compared to the other blue arrows. I, I hate to tell you, but this is the latest situation. <laughs> should, should I get the arrow? Should I use it? What, what, what do you want? What does the arrow... Be, use your words. <laughs> <laughs> As she's like lining up her next shot, she's going to turn and look at you very robotic like as her her body doesn't move she's still lining up the shot <laughs> oh, god and her head just her head just towards you uh she goes i will use the arrow if we need it <sighs> all right uh i'm i'm going to uh you know what i'm gonna roll intimidation on her i'm gonna yell like ravness is down we're gonna fucking die here if you don't do whatever it is that you need to do right now oh snap go ahead and roll yeah that's an 18 Okay. Her stance with her, you know, the arrow knocked on her bow, which is like attached to her forearm. She still holds that stance and her head now looking at you kind of like recoils backwards away from you a little mm -hmm. bit. And she will unknock the arrow, drop it and pull the white arrow. Okay. And as she pulls it, you can see that there is a brass mechanism on the end and what looks like a white crystal embedded into the end of the mechanism like like an arrowhead. Mm. Okay, that's I guess that's my turn. Yep, that's your turn. It is their turn. Harker is going to take a swing at one of the ones by him. Holy fuck. I'm I'm switching die. <laughs> uh all right. Let's see. Scratch is going to attack the one that's grappling her. And she does hit it as she's like trying to pull the thing off. She grabs the dagger from her belt and just like stabs it in its side and it <laughs> and falls limp off of her. Uh, she and Marco and Dent all need to make intelligence saves. Okay. 
Uh, that's a 17 for me, Bob. 17? You are fine. Dent kind of shakes his head slightly and staggers a little bit. He is going to swing his giant uh, maul that you can see there's this spinning gyroscope inside of that kind of hollowed out head of the maul. And as he recoils it backwards, the gyroscope spins up and he brings it down on one of the creatures near him. But it skitters out of the way and it actually impacts the ground, cracking it. Mm. Lancer is going to fire the white arrow. And it sails through the hole that Marco was aiming for originally. The the frost from your ice knife still crawling around the, the wood and stone barricade. And as she releases the arrow, it basically just turns into a streak of white light and through the barricade. And there's a half a beat. And then there is a blinding white explosion. You don't feel it. It's just kind of like... A flash doesn't even make sound at first, and then the sound almost hits a second later. This rumbling sound, and then it seems that all of the creatures are now getting pulled off of the barricade. And as the light fades, you can just make out through the barricade the last few creatures getting pulled through a singularity. Oh, jeez. And actually, like... You guys can even feel the force of it a little bit, but it's it doesn't seem to have the range to to get anyone on this side of the barricade. But it seems to clear out like the entire wave on the other side. What did it do to the barricade? Did it? She shot it through a hole in the barricade. It impacted on the other side Got you. and created this singularity that sucked almost all of the creatures on the other side in. Got you. Um, there are still the handful of creatures left inside of here, however. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, Marco... You hear that piercing scream. You manage to steal yourself against it so it doesn't hurt you, but your vision does cloud over again. Hmm. It returns, and you see yourself flying. There is a rift that opens up in front of you and opens up into the astral sea. This luminous, endless sea of swirling color and stars. And... Laid out before you is a mass floating in the astral sea, a city kind of resembling a humanoid laid out on its back with its legs tight together, almost if they're bound into a single form or tail and six arms extending off from its torso. From where its head would be, you see spikes extending outward almost like a crown, and a gargantuan skull nestled in the cityscape, resting at its head. A floating cathedral sits above it, connected to the greater mass of the city by chains that extend down into the skull's eye sockets. You see the sprawling city of Tunarath. You dip below the top part where the, all of the the city is nestled on this dead god and approach caves that are nestled in the underside and lower parts of the city. And your vision snaps back. Would I know Tunarath? Uh, you heard Ravnus mention it. I, I guess make an intelligence check. That's fair. Yeah, she had mentioned that it's somewhere where Githyanki go and don't age. Basically, mm-hmm. um, a dirty 20, not that 20. 
yeah, you you can identify it as Tunarath from what Ravnus has said because she said it's it's a place, it's a city on the astral sea, and you would know that on the astral sea, time does not progress, so it would make sense that you wouldn't age anywhere on the astral plane. And with a with a twenty, you would know that legend has it that Tunarath is built on the carcass of a dead god. Okay, gotcha. So that's what you know. All right, beautiful. Um. Okay, Val's going to take a swing at one of the ones up by her, uh, and then she's going to hit it and splat it, and it screeches, and she kind of holds her head, but seems okay. Uh, Harker's the only one close enough to take damage from it, but he seems all right as well. Um, Scriv is, let's see, uh, hmm. uh, he's, <laughs> he's going to look at one of the creatures and go... You look like something a cat would have spit up <laughs> and cast vicious mockery. <laughs> ha cha cha cha. <laughs> Burn. Uh, and the thing just explodes. Psst. Jesus. <laughs> um, we all act like uh, the guys in those an- in that animated gif where the one dude burns the other one and then everybody goes, "Oh!" and like starts jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it is Marco and Ravnus's turn. I'm going to say because uh, order of operations, Ravnus make a death. Yeah, throw. she would have to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a, like an, a hard and fast rule, but I'm going to say that's the more I think that you have to, to do it, it at the top of like your turn. So right. that basically makes sense. Um, yeah. So don't fuck me, Gil. <laughs> and uh, Gil fucked me. That's a one. one. That's yeah. a one? You rolled a that's, nat one? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's two. Oh, no, rolled, that's two death saves. I know. I rolled uh, the fuck on the die, because instead of a one, it just says fuck. <laughs> yeah, for so real. So if Ravnus dies, yeah. direct your letters to Guild of Logsmith. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah. <laughs> well, fear not, because Marco has green jelly. To which Marco is going to come like sliding in next to Ravnus and just like shut, like take like a dollop of this green aloe jelly and just shove it into her mouth. Uh huh. Now, Marco, as you approach, you're pulling out the green jelly and you're approaching. And as you're running up, you feel this like connection to Ravnus increase. It doesn't seem to correspond with the proximity. Like you are moving closer to her and mm-hmm. and it is getting stronger, but you somehow intuit that that's not why. And you almost get the impression that like you have the green jelly and you're going to heal her. But you almost get the impression that should you want to, you could heal her without it. Hmm. And you're not sure exactly how, but it almost seems like you could will her to heal if you wanted to. I honestly thought that you were going to say, if you could, just let her go. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, Nick. No, that's that's the <laughs> that's the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And it turned right. out to be much better. So like, Marco is going to stop and I guess like, I don't know if this is a force shit. I guess he's going to extend his hand because, like, he—that's he, the next thing he thinks is magic. Mm-mm. And this is a musical. Uh, will. You have to sing, Marco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is when there's a musical number. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Ravnus, don't be dead anymore. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. You don't have to touch her. 
And as right. an action, you can heal her. How much would you like to heal her? Max? <laughs> oh. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. So here's here's what happens. You don't even get close to her. You just feel this ability manifesting as you're approaching her and you kind of stop and you're like, that's weird. Yeah, let me do that. You begin healing her mm -hmm. and you begin to notice exactly how it's working because your intent at first is to heal her fully. You're like, I right. can heal her. I can just bring her back. And then you realize that's not a good idea because you give her six hit points and you lose six of your hit points. Yeah, oh. that's why I was like. Ghost of Ravnus. Marco, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now now that you know that, in this same action, I will let you decide how many of your hit points do you want to give Ravnus? Okay, I am at 22. Um, I am going to give her 16. Whoa. Yeah. It is better that you are up than me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when you do this, Marco... Your vision kind of like clouds over. You can still see the scene, but it's almost like the, the environment around you almost goes translucent a little bit. And you can see the starry void out as far as you can see in any direction. And you can almost see this cosmic connection between you and Ravnus. And interestingly, and Luckbeak, you notice this when it happens because you can see it as well. You see that there is a connection between Luckbeak, Marco, and Ravnus. Mm. And... You, Marco, siphon your life force through this connection into Ravnus. And when you do so, you can kind of see on your forehead, on Ravnus's forehead, and on Luckbeak's forehead, this strange glyph appears. Mm. And then your vision snaps back to normal. Uh, Ravnus, you <gasps> gasp back to consciousness. You're still prone. But as you're coming forward, you notice this cosmic connection as well. And you look around, and even as this kind of like weird force vision, I guess, fades, you see that this weird symbol on your foreheads lingers. And Ravnus, you recognize it as, it, it seems gith in origin, actually, but it's not a letter. It's some other sigil of some sort. But she doesn't know what it is. You, you recognize it as Gith in origin, but you don't know. It doesn't yeah. say anything. It's like a magic glyph. Okay. So that happened. And luckily, you, you <laughs> notice it when it happens as well. You're just like minding your own business. And then suddenly you're like, you feel this connection spark. Sure. And basically watch Marco siphon his life force into Ravnus. Okay. Not even touching. It was, a, it was from like a distance of 10 feet away. Okay. And Marco, that's the end of your turn because that was your action. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So, um... When that connection occurred, as that connection snaps out of it, it snaps out of that vision violently. And it's almost like there's a psionic burst of your own. And when that happens, the remaining creatures kind of convulse and then scurry away. Hmm. And Dent is going to take an attack of opportunity on one, but miss. He lit heaves his gyroscope maul off the ground and just... But just misses again. The wind up on this attack is just far too slow <laughs> to hit any of these skittering creatures. But all the remaining creatures skitter into the cracks and away. And it appears that for the moment, you guys are safe. Hey, uh, what was that? I need to sit down for a second and kind of lay on the ground. 
Yeah, Marco, there's no wounds, but you look pale. You look, you know, you, you took 16 hit points of damage in a single go. And it was basically not necrotic damage, but it was like literally just your life force getting sapped from you. Yeah, no bueno. Yeah, doesn't feel good. And as you sit, that glyph is still on your foreheads, um, but you oh. notice that it is just beginning to fade now. Uh, Ravnus sits up and scurries over to Marco and kind of like moves his hair out of the way and looks at the glyph. <laughs> yeah, I, Marco, I just imagine you see Ravnus get up and, and like immediately like eyes kind of wide <laughs> gets right up into your face with this intense look on hers. Yeah, I'm just like, uh... <laughs> Kiss, kiss, And I'm going <laughs> to... Now kiss. Before you get the chance, like, Marco's just going to look very oddly and then just take some of that aloe jelly and shove it into his own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you guys could just rub it on your skin, but the consuming <laughs> option is just so much funnier. <laughs> Precisely. I should note, it doesn't taste good. It tastes like aloe. Like... <laughs> Yeah, not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do that. Uh, you can roll it. Um, that's nine. Okay. Um, Ravnus, you okay? What? <laughs> fucking I think so. Winnie the Pooh with his hand in this fucking jar. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> hey, uh, what just happened? Uh, what does that glyph say, Ravnus? It doesn't say anything. It's just a glyph, but it's Githyanki. Uh, okay. Um. So, did they put something in us? I mean, those little psychic things. I don't know. Wouldn't they be in everyone? I I don't know. I, I didn't even get touched. I, I. But but what? I don't know. Anyone else feeling a connection? Marco, this is not the time for romance. <laughs> <laughs> Val, you see, is standing there, and she's looking perplexed, but also, like, intrigued. I didn't... I didn't feel any sort of connection, but all three of you seem to have this glyph. Uh, and Val kind of looks around the room at all of the forged, um, who are the only ones that are conscious, uh, because Orella is unconscious, and sees that there's no glyph on any of them. Uh, and actually, Luckbeak, that's probably the, when you realize that there's a mark on your forehead as well, if you didn't intuit that already. Sure. Um, and Val's going to say, I've never seen anything like this before. I'm going to insight check that. Go ahead. Natural one. <laughs> Natural one? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was on a different die, too. Well, Man. stop that. A natural yeah, one. Yeah, I know. Like, that's not like you just don't know. That is like you misread. You think Val has seen this all the time. <laughs> yeah. That, honestly, that's what Ravnus was already thinking. So she's going to yeah. just like totally go into that bias. She's going to go mm-hmm. back 10 feet across the room or whatever, pick the sword up, and she's going to turn to Val, and she's going to say... Why did you pick the three of us? Oh. Hey, 
Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your fairy godfather. Or sleep paralysis demon, jury's still out. But either way, your dungeon master. Thank you so much for listening to Chapter 2, Episode 7 of Tales of the Voidfarer. We are so appreciative of you taking the time to join us on our adventure. If you are liking what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That super helps us out and will help other esteemed nerds like yourself find us. Also, be sure to give us a like and or follow on our social media, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Speaking of social media, we wanted to take a second to talk to you about Wave. Wave, with two Vs for double the fun, I guess, is an online resource perfect for podcasters and other digital audio creators that easily turns your audio into sleek, shareable videos formatted for social media. Upload your audio, add artwork, add an animated waveform, and you're ready to go. Wave even offers quick and easy to use captioning tools to add subtitles to your video. Great to grab the attention of anyone scrolling through their Facebook feed while at work. You know who you are. We've started using Wave for our Void Vericlips, and at just $10 a month for the Alpha Plan, I can't recommend it enough. Not only is it a great podcast marketing tool, but if you use our link, bit.ly slash wavefarer, and sign up for a monthly plan, you'll also be supporting us. And for that, we thank you. Link in the show notes. Once again, a quick thanks to our producer Tom Goldthwaite for the original music used on the show, and additional music by purple-planet.com. The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land on Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. We'll see you then. Are you threatening Val with the sword or did you just pick it up? She's not like actively threatening, but she certainly like went to go get it. She notices you made a point to pick up the sword before you asked her that question. She gives you a look like she's surprised. I don't see how that has anything to do with what is going on here now. Are you kidding? A captain of the ship came to the three of us, specifically made it so that we would go with you and go on your ship and travel here. We were treated differently from all the rest of your crew. And now this is happening. You know something. Make a... I imagine an intimidation check, right? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and make an intimidation check. That is a lot better. Uh, 16. Val kind of raises her hand slightly. Her sword and weapon is away, making herself a non-threatening stance. Listen, I can get into it more when we're back on the ship. What I told you before was true. I recruited you myself because I was recruiting you for the job that I once had. No one has a better eye for it than me. What exactly was the job that you had again? I was one that was sent into various dangerous and uncertain locales, scouting for salvage and potential other treasure, or otherwise doing odd specialized jobs that were unfit for the normal members of the crew. A bit of a special auxiliary, if you will. I'm. There's not really a name for it. Regardless. Ravenous used her sword to gesture to Marco and Luckbeak. You picked these two to do specialized jobs with heavy (laughs) combat. Not necessarily combat. There's been a lot of combat. It's more likely in this job, but Marco is knowledgeable and he's an archaeologist for 
the gods' sake. And he's an accomplished wizard. Thank you. He has many, (laughs) many tasks that would well suited for this, even if he's not well suited for combat. I don't think I've gotten this many compliments in a row. I mean, it was tapered off at the end there with an insult, but it's okay. We're we're right now at a net gain. (laughs) (laughs) And Luckbeak is, well, Luckbeak is Luckbeak. He, look, if one thing, the conversations we've had in the last few days, it's that he brings a different perspective to things. He handled himself well, despite me completely writing him off the first time I saw him aboard the Stoic Gondolia. She kind of looks to Luckbeak and kind of gestures like, sorry. I believe that he has talents that are indispensable as well. And I don't know what this is. And she kind of gestures vaguely. <laughs> but... Um, real quick, Nick, I'm curious. Are, are these glyphs like permanently etched in our heads? No. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> it was like glowing and by now it's completely faded. It's Raven from Teen Titans in season four, is what <laughs> yeah, you're saying. I, uh, sure. That reference everybody knows, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to spark up when that weird cosmic connection was made, and then slowly faded over the next minute or so. Oh. Look, I haven't told you everything, and I will, I promise. It's a little complicated, but trust me when I tell you I don't know what this is. Can I, can I make a point of order here? I say off the ground. Um, Please. (laughs) Listen, regardless of of what she knows or doesn't know, we're still in a life and death situation here and we need each other. So what if we get back to our respective ships and then we can have an interrogation or at least out of this situation? All right. All right. I I know. We got to get out of here. All right. uh, Back on the void fair, though, we are going to have this conversation. Um, Agreed. I'm I'm with Luckbeak on this one. I will gladly have that with you. But first things first, we have to get off of this bloody rock. And she kind of looks to Harker, who is like all of the Warforged are kind of like standing there, kind of looking between you guys as you talk. And like, it's almost like they're all doing it in unison where one of you will talk and they're all looking at that person and then another person talks and they all turn their shoulders to look at that person <laughs> in unison. And Luckbeak, you only just now become aware that it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Val is going to turn and look at Harker and say, well, you seem to be the one that was in charge before we got here. What now? Well, as far as I'm concerned our initial plan hasn't changed we need to activate the beacon that rally left below there may be another exit down there as well as the treasure you initially came here for so if we work together to work our way down there we may be able to accomplish all of our goals together all right i guess i mean what choice do we have (laughs) stay here (laughs) stay here and hope yeah, that ain't happening. The docent on Harker's chest is going to flare up. The odds of survival of you staying here due to another wave are significantly low. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, what's to say we won't scare him away again, though? All right, so uh, let's let's listen to the uh, calculator then, uh, and let's get going. Hmm. All right. I perform way more complex functions than simple calculation. Hey, you perform regression way quicker than I did. (laughs) Marco kind of stands up and wipes the aloe off of his face. (laughs) Let's, uh, 
Let's get going so I can get back and rest. Ravnus is going to sheath her sword. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go. Okay, before we press on, um, I will establish that you guys now have the ability. Now that you've discovered this weird cosmic connection between the three of you, you can now at any time spend an action to transfer any amount of your HP to any one of the other two. Gotcha. Okay. Well, now I see why we were keeping Marco and Leckbeak around. Yeah. <laughs> we are just E-tanks for you. That can be done over any distance. And naturally, if you bring yourself to zero hit points in this manner, you just fall unconscious like you normally would. Sure. So that's a thing you can do now. So anyway, Command Unit Harker is going to say, all right, well, I imagine we should get moving then. Siege Unit Dent. Remove the barricade. Dent is going to nod and stomp forward to the barricade. And he's just going to crush it with his maul. <laughs> he picks up his giant gyroscope maul and it spins up and he just <laughs> through the barricade, which the stone door that made up the bottom half of the barricade just shatters. And on the wood on the top half just splinters outward, leaving a mostly clear doorway now. And Scratch is going to say, ah. It wasn't the cleanest job, but it sure was efficient. <laughs> I love Scratch. <laughs> Never change Scratch. We're adopting Scratch. We Scratch sure come with us. <laughs> Yay, my friends love me! <laughs> you are now our fourth member. Come on. <laughs> Can I be your fifth member? No, go away, Dent. Uh, I'm okay with it. Oh, okay. I mean, why not? We need a big guy, you know. I will remember this transgression, little bird. <laughs> I, I wasn't using little bird voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but sir, let, let's keep rolling. <laughs> okay. So you guys see down the hallway that basically like the original hallway you guys were in where the trap went off. This is the hallway that was 90 degrees to the left, presumably going across the back of the courtyard you explored last session. You can see that the hallway extends another 70 feet and opens up into the other corner, the other like rampart of the base on that side. And you see that bits of it are caved in, which makes sense from where you've seen cave-ins from the other side. This seems to be the other side of that damage. Hmm. There is a single door halfway down the hallway on the left-hand wall. Uh, it looks like whatever door was standing at the far end of the hallway has been destroyed with the rubble and it just looks like it opens up into a room i assume we go uh, into that room i mean i'm, yeah, I'm following I'm a... the leads of the forged i mean they know where they're going and where they're dropping their thing so yeah scratch will lead the way then because you you know that she's already scouted down into where you need to go sure so she's gonna go halfway down the hall and stop at that door on the left the way down is this way. And she's going to open the door, which looks like it was already open ajar. As you guys kind of follow into there, you see it's like a, a 10 foot wide, like antechamber before it opens up into another door. And from your like just spatial awareness, you realize that this is going into that central structure that stood in the middle of the courtyard. That didn't seem there wasn't any entrances to it from the outside from the courtyard. However, Ravnus, when you go to follow into that door, you get a better look of the room down at the end of the hallway, and you see what you recognize immediately as um, Githyanki egg pods in that room. 
Are they hatched or? No, uh, and it doesn't look like there's any eggs there either. But it looks like they're the stone holders where Githyanki eggs sit and incubate. Mm. And this, you realize for really the first time that this vault was also being used as a hatchery, not dissimilar than the one you hatched and spent your first few years of your life in. Yeah, Ravnus is going to take a little detour and go into that room and kind of like take a closer look at the. pods are, and are, such are you doing it stealthily or do we notice you're leaving the group no she's she's not doing it stealthily she's just sort of like walking over yeah because i imagine ravenous you were kind of like in the middle of the group anyway like if your group was making up the back half of this entire entourage i imagine ravenous was towards the front which means in the middle of the group yeah. on a whole if that makes sense so yeah like basically you guys all notice that ravness kind of gets distracted and starts heading that way also is she still carrying arella or did someone else pick um, up arella i mean i assumed you are unless you would have handed That's that fine. off to somebody you probably could have like conscripted dent into doing it yeah that that makes sense this is a dent job <laughs> <laughs> Make all the NPCs do the work. I will carry your deactivated friend. <laughs> Aww. I really hope uh, she wakes up. Like, by one ankle, he's, like, holding her out in front of him, and she's, like, just dangling. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan, that's not... Uh, well, oh. I guess it's all right. Um, Ravnus, where are you going? Sorry. This <laughs> was a hatchery, too. Um. Oh. I see. You just wait. Is this where you were born? No. Oh. Yeah. Or at least I don't think so. I'm pretty sure no. Hmm. No, you know, and this this is actually a far older hatchery than than yours. This was here when the Cretorian Empire was still around, like ten thousand years ago. Okay. So this thing is like super ancient. Yeah. Then so <laughs> she's like, no, it's too old. Hmm. Huh. Uh. All right. So you like. I'm gonna like walk in and just start poking at stuff. You like you like know some of these people or <laughs> Well there there's no one in there, right? It's just like the pods that hold the eggs. Yeah, it's like the stone pods and there's like a Yankee script around the outside and it's like it, it is words, you do you do recognize it. Um but they're like just like descriptive words that are like traits that the githyanki would like be desirable like mm-hmm. strength and honor and valor and live laugh love <laughs> <laughs> that was for the basic those are Bless for the gets rye <laughs> you're such a basic gift <laughs> be the what? change you wish to be is on one <laughs> yeah oh uh, goddamn but to a- to answer luckbeak's question she goes no, this is just where they put the eggs. Oh. These aren't people. Well, as you walk into the room and see more of the room, you see that it looks like there are destroyed eggs here. And also you see more charred gith corpses kind of tucked off to the sides that you couldn't make out from the hallway. And the one thing that strikes you is that these ones are smaller. Mm. The corpses are smaller? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> they don't look like they couldn't have been much older than you were when you left your hatchery. Yeah. She po- <laughs> she points to the corpses and she's like, those are people. These are just the pods. Oh, all right. Um, would you want like some 
some time alone here, or... Why? Yep, forgot. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And she's probably going to leave the room at that point and go back to the group. I'm going to look at Marco and just roll my eyes. And then continue. <laughs> Marco shrugs his shoulders. He doesn't know. He doesn't have an answer for yeah. you. <laughs> Ravnus will continue to be an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> that was like almost sentiment there. That was. Came real close. We are making yeah. microscopic baby steps. <laughs> yeah. They might be small, but they are definitely forward. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, as you're turning back, you hear a distant voice. I'm like, hey, did you guys get lost? We're coming. Uh, (laughs) Ravnus had to almost simulate human emotion for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not human. Marco's human. Right. I know. You're right. Well, I couldn't say simulate get Yankee emotion because I'm not sure that's a thing. So, I mean, I had to use the reference point I knew. I, too. On the occasion, almost simulate human emotion. Jesus, how did I not realize you two were so similar before? <laughs> Ravnus, are you part forged? How could that? I be part forged? Yeah, that was a... Oh, fuck. See, it's hard because I don't know which of my jokes aren't funny or which of my jokes... <laughs> Marco starts to legitimately contemplate how would a gith and forge procreate. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Starts taking notes. Oh, painfully. <laughs> Gross. Is this universe is rule 34. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Excuse me. I am doing scientific inquiry. <laughs> I think it was Tom that was telling me about an Eberron game he had where a friend played a Warforged whose dick was like pulled to start like a lawnmower. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. <what? laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyway. So, yeah. You follow Dent and Scratch and the other Forged into this central fortified room um, that is plain. It, it looks like it was basically like a, a central like bulwark to defend whatever lies below. There's a ladder that goes up to a trap door. The battlement's on top like you've seen in a lot of the corner rooms of the fortress. But there's a hatch in the middle of the floor that descends and Scratch already has it pulled up and you can see that there is a tight wooden spiral staircase that descends. Are they going yeah. down? They are. Okay. I'm following. Yeah, hey, how far down are we going here? Scratch is going to say, oh, the next level is only like 30, 40 feet down. All right. That's not the worst. No, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, we're on, we're on a, an asteroid. It's not infinitely deep no i i mean i don't think anybody assumed we were going in that's a weird jump to make (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what your neuroses are i didn't want to judge i didn't know if you had a fear of being miles underground well i mean now i do now that you've mentioned it i'm thinking about it and yeah that is kind of scary yes the caverns could crush us all for god's sake i wish somebody in this group understood emotions (laughs) (laughs) Marco looks back and just shrugs because he you can't get any help from him. I am the closest thing you have. Look, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Not optimal, but at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. I guess Marco's just going to say optimistically. Well, at least we haven't seen any more of those weird dragon fleshy things. Well, that's true. So I mean, like glass half full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you descend, the ancient wood creaks beneath your feet, and it 
eventually pierces the ceiling of the chamber below and the spiral staircase extends into the center of that chamber down from the ceiling. And you see this large chamber lit with the eternal burning sconces that have been illuminating the rest of this uh, fortress. You see what appears to be like a large memorial hall. Ravnus, you, you know that your hatchery had one of these as well. It seems to be like kind of like a central hub of the chambers down here. It is a natural cavern, but it looks like these murals have been placed up on the walls that depict Githyanki battles. The ones here are different entirely than the ones that you've seen at your hatchery. One shows Githyanki ships descending on what look like an armada of green elven ships. Another one shows Githyanki on the back of dragons laying waste to a settlement of some sort on the surface of a world. Another mural shows Tunarath, the kind of like insectoid humanoid looking form of the the city. It's six appendages sticking out in each direction, its head and lower section of the body all spread outwards and the sprawling city of Tunarath built upon it. And the fourth mural shows Githyanki ships besieging a ship that looks vaguely familiar to Ravnus. It looks like the helical shell of a nautiloid spelljammer, the ship of a Nalithid, a mind flayer ship. These murals are on the walls? Yes. Um, as they kind of like walk through it, she kind of like runs her fingers along some of the murals and stops at the one with the illithid ship Mm -hmm. and just kind of like looks at it sort of thoughtfully. Ravnus, is everything okay? Yes, this is a nautiloid ship with squids on it. Would I know this, Nick? Um, go ahead and make an Arcana check with advantage. Okay, let's see here. That's going to be an 18. Mm. Okay. Yes, uh, you've seen uh, illustrations in your book, mm. but there's not a whole lot written about them, except that you know that they are like regarded as like harbingers of death. The book basically says if you see this run. Oh, um... Marco's eyes go a little wide as he's kind of like recounting this. It, it seems whoever wrote this book was deathly terrified of this this kind of ship. Did you ever have a, a run-in with one of these? Just once, when they destroyed the hatchery. Oh, well, I'm sorry. That sounds awful. It's all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I would have considered it awful, but either way, um, huh. Um, Nicholas, what, how is this mural, like, it's painted onto, like, stone walls, or it's its own thing, mm-hmm. or what? It's painted onto stone walls. Okay. So the cavern itself is natural, but where these murals are, the stone has been smoothed, and and the murals have been painted upon it. Okay. So, um, as you're kind of regarding that, you see that there are three main doors extending off of this room, one to the south. One to the east, which is a narrower one that ends in a single door, and one to the west. And Scratch is going to point to that door and say, well, that's the way I went before, but it's uh, it, it kind of caved in when I got 
when I was leaving here in a hurry the last time. There should be another way around through that way. And she points to the other double door. Convenient. All right, then. Well, I say uh, journey forth. This door is shut and locked with that same mechanism you saw on the doors prior. Oh, I say, uh, let me try this one. And I cast Mage Hand on Mm -hmm. it. You send your mage hand casting forward this. It's kind of weird because it, it looks like kind of like Marco's hand, but it's like a little like malshapen, <laughs> like because like mage hand is usually just a replication of your hand. Mm-hmm. But but Luckbeak has like kind of tweaked his to be a like a normal humanoid hand right. for sign language purposes. But it's almost like you, you sculpted a hand for the first time, like knowing that it has five fingers, but they're a little like, yeah. Like they're all exactly the same length. Oh god! And they they look a little bit like hot dogs. Oh, creepy. <laughs> you, you know, hand, hands hands are hard. Ask any <laughs> artist. Hands are hard. But this mage hand flies forward and places itself on the mechanism, and it clicks, and the door opens. You think it's a mage hand thing? I mean, all three of us can cast mage hand. Uh, is this like some mage hand secret society I was just not privy to before? I never heard of it. Mm, um, right, pass then. Cancel a lot of people. <laughs> cancel a lot of people. Cast mage hand. Yeah, I don't know. I just learned it not too long ago. I thought you guys were just being surprised about this whole mind link thing for my sake. Maybe. Um. Why would we do that? I don't know. I'm just trying to spitball <laughs> blue sky in it here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. It was uh intriguing. Yeah. Well. All right. That feels like a pity comment to me, if that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) So you go through these doors and it opens up into a large chamber that Ravnus you recognize as a training room. Because, again, it's not dissimilar from the training room at your hatchery. There is, you know, like training dummies and sword racks around and various other implements for training and honing one body and and basically learning combat. And there is a path that heads off to the east, but Scratch nods across the room where it looks like some of the wall has crumbled away to the room beyond. Now, the one thing you notice about this room is there seems to be Githyanki scrawlings covering every inch of the wall all around you. Hmm. Uh, Marco's going to investigate because that sounds fascinating to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also see that in the corner, it looks like there is like a little bit of like a makeshift desk and like a bookshelf. Marco is walking to that bookshelf like, <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I'm going to make my way downtown to bad decisions. <laughs> Ravnus, as you observe the walls, you you see that the Githyanki text seems to be listing various events, specifically various crimes committed by Githsarai, committed by Alithids, just event after event, like locations, dates, places you've never heard of, like mind flayers ransacked this fortress and killed this many. You know, the Githsarai staged an insurrection at this location and killed this many. It's just event after event after event. Crimes committed by Alithids against Githyanki. Crimes committed by Gezerai against Githyanki. This seems to be here as a constant reminder of the oppressors of the Githyanki people, drilling this hatred into the minds of the youth that they are training here. 
um, Ravnus goes over to Marco where he's gone to investigate things and she points to a word that's illithid or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. she says, that squids. And then she points to another word that says Githserai and she says, that's Githserai. Huh. Um, yeah, Marco is, I guess, just going to be studying intently. Sure. Go and make an investigation check for me, Marco. All right. Okay. Um, hold on a second. 22. 22. Uh, yeah, you see that uh, there's a lot of, like, uh, there doesn't seem to be very many books. There's a lot of scrolls here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're all written in Githyanki. Mm. But there are some scribbled diagrams and stuff, and they seem to be... Uh, and a lot of them are faded. There's not a whole lot that are really too useful, but it almost seems like they are like various like fighting forms and training regimens and like notes and scrawlings on sword technique and sword work and that sort of thing. It, it, all, everything seem, here seems to be geared towards fighting prowess and training. And actually, as you're kind of looking through some of the faded parchment and scrolls, something hard kind of clinks um, and dislodges from where it was kind of like tucked on the bookshelf and slides out onto the desk. And uh, it appears to be a piece of Cinder Shard. Huh. But it has like a weird Githyanki inscription etched into it. Uh, well, first off, Marco is pocketing damn near everything because he's an archaeologist. But after that... <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, he's going to pick up the sender shard in particular and kind of like look it over. Um, and then he's going to kind of like look at Ravnus. Like, Ravnus, uh, do you know what this what this says here? She takes it. Mm-hmm. And what does it say? It simply says warrior of the mind. Warrior of the mind. Huh. Now, while you're holding it, Ravnus, you can sense that there is like a psionic resonance within it. And... If you concentrate, you may be able to glean some information off of this item. She's going to do that. (laughs) Sure. That can't go wrong. So, yeah, it almost happens intuitively when you read the the script etched into the top, Warrior of the Mind, and suddenly your mind gets flooded with this information and it becomes clear to you that Warrior of the Mind is like the title of a book. And the information that you are psionically receiving, the information that seems to be stored on this crystal, is like the contents of a book. You found an ebook. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and in fact, as you kind of like kind of skim the information on it, and you get the idea that like once when you're possessing this and you have an idea of the contents within, you could think of a phrase and it's basically control F, you know, and oh you can it jumped to it basically but the information on this shard seems to be fighting techniques specifically like gith yankee fighting techniques that involve utilizing the the power of the mind and use utilizing one's psionics to augment their fighting ability because it's talking about Honing one's mind and channeling their will beyond the confines of their body and using that to your advantage as an extension of yourself as much as your sword is. And you get the impression that you could read this information and learn these techniques. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. um, And actually, 
Scriv is going to kind of curiously walk up and he's going to say, interesting. That looks like a spell shard. It is something that we have on Eberron. <laughs> no, no one, no, no reaction to this whatsoever. Listen, um, uh, Ravnus is downloading her book. <laughs> he is, uh, Marco is going to turn around and say, so um, you, you have things like this on Eberron. Yes, on Eberron, we have what's called dragon shards, magical substances that can be used to create items such as this, as well as many other magical properties. But spell shards can be used in lieu of books, storing information upon them. It is curious, this one seems to be made with phlogisterite, which would confirm the theory that this is similar to the substances we have back on Eberron. Hmm. So, I'm curious, um... Oh, uh, is this, is it odd for these not to be on Eberron? Like, is, have you seen them anywhere besides Eberron? Because I haven't come across this before, but granted, I've spent most of my life on a strange rock. Yes, this is quite odd. I, well, th- there are no other place to get Dragon Shard than Eberron. And as far as I'm aware, Phlogisterite, this Cinder Shard, is not accessible anywhere else but crot space. So it would stand to reason that if the Githyanki that once resided here understood its properties, or the Kratorians understood its properties, they would be able to fashion similar magitech than that is created on Eberron. And Marco is furiously taking notes right now. <laughs> As he's kind of like, he kind of looks up to uh, Ravnus. Really he's like, Ravnus, is this normal? Do do uh, do Gith have this typically? No, you've never seen anything like this before, Ravnus. No, but you should make all your books like this because it's oh. easier than all that stuff you carry around. Wait, did you just read the whole thing? Like, was it instantaneous? No, you can absorb the information at the same rate that you would normally read. Got it. it. Holy shit! And he's already like just like pouring through notes right now because he's just like this is a discovery that apparently the gith had this technology that was only really found in eberron like yeah uh, scriv is actually going to say in fact some mages on eberron use these in lieu of spell books use these instead of spell books see i told you this is fascinating yeah but i mean then you don't have the satisfaction of putting it in yourself with your hand. I mean, I don't know how this works, but still, <laughs> regardless, this is interesting because we actually just learned something completely new. That apparently the ancient Gith had this technology. So, I mean, th- this tells us a lot about their abilities, and apparently somewhere along the way, they lost it. You get the impression that, from what Scriv had said, it's probably more of a, something that it was here in Crot Space mm. more than the Gith. The Gith in Crot Space had it here. Since it's Cinder Shard, you can't get Cinder Shard anywhere else mm. but, but Crot but Space. I mean, you're yeah. also able to use this on Cinder Shard, only found in space. I mean, the possibilities here are, are I mean, th- this opens up a lot. Um, after you're done with that, Ravnus, do you mind if I see it for a bit? Here. <laughs> and Marco takes it, pockets it, and is just like, <laughs> I promise I will return that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are doing that, and you hear, um, you might want to wrap up what you're doing, because, uh, something's happening. And you see that Scratch is over by the opening on the other wall that had kind of crumbled and opened, and you could see the darkness that extends inward. 
there is like a soft, like red orange glow now coming from that direction as it gets brighter and creeps down the hallway, and you hear the distant skittering of more creatures. ProjectDerailed.com